Amen. Loving the least, the prisoner. I want to ask you a question. And you can answer online or not. I don't know whether you're tuning in from Jacksonville, if you're in Durham, North Carolina, or Hillsborough, or if you're up in Massachusetts or Milwaukee, wherever you are, uh, you can shout yourself out, but I do want to ask you a question. And that question is, what makes you feel special? What makes you feel special? Give you a second to think about it. I mean, uh, there have been whole studies and books and TV shows and specials and talk shows dedicated to trying to help break down in relationships and in an individual person's heart, like what makes them feel important? What makes them feel valued? What makes you feel special? You know, we're all special. <laughs> we are all, all special. Can I get an amen? We're all special. We're all special in the in that the Lord made us. We're all special in that we are unique. There has never been a you. There will never be another you. We're all special in that we all got unique DNA. We all have different fingerprints. We all have different personalities. You, We all got different sets of gifting and talents. And we're all a different part of the body of Christ. Each and every one of us. We are special. We are treasured. One of a kind. If you talk about antiques, it's the, the only one they drew like this. It's the only one that's made. That gives us a lot of value and, and, and it's appreciated. And when they sell it, they sell it for a lot of money. That's us. We were bought with the blood of the one and only Christ because of how precious, special we were in the eyes of our maker. Amen. Amen. Can you, can you say without any ironicism, irony, I am special. Can you type, I am special. I am, and that's a good thing, right? Well, there's another kind of special, right? You know, and we're all special in that way too. We all got a habit that makes us special, right? We all got something that's kind of odd or weird, a tick or a personality thing that just makes us more interesting. And, you know, you're looking at your friend, you're looking at your boy, you're looking at your, your spouse, you're looking at your kids like, man, you special. You're different. Like my son is special. He doesn't eat cake or ice cream. He's special. You know, I got a friend. We got a friend in the church, a family member in the church whose first name starts with R, who refuses to let her food touch and doesn't let it blend and let the natural flavors just love on each other as they enter into your mouth together. Like, you know, like mixing up flavors. It's a beautiful thing, you know. And and so she, who I'm calling out without calling out, she's special. And she probably looking at me like, you're special. Um, there are like, I, and I am special. I, I enjoy mixing flavors so much that I made up some stuff when I was a kid. Like, have you ever tried pork and beans and applesauce together? Oh, it's like heaven in your mouth. Say amen. <laughs> Nobody's going to say amen to that. But yeah, just everybody's got something like my sense of humor is kind of off. You know, your taste in music may be real different. You may be real sarcastic or you may be super sincere. So people can't even joke with you, and, you know, be sarcastic with you. They're just like, man, yes. No, I didn't mean that. You're just so special. You know, uh, and I think we all have a good time with it. As long as you're in on the joke, as long as we're in on the joke together, you know, as long as I'm not making fun of, but I'm making fun with, like we are laughing together, not laughing at, I'm good. 
Call me special all you want to. I know my daughter calls me weird all the time. And I'm just like, yes, I am weird. If I talk about how much I enjoyed school and I ask her how she likes school, because she does real well in school, but she don't like school like I used to like school. So what she called me? Because you're a nerd. My own daughter. Etu Samia. She calls me a nerd. And so that's special. I'm special. You're special. We're all special in wonderful ways. And in some ways, it might make us laugh. But when we think about special, if I think about what makes me feel special, it's a little bit different, right? It's not necessarily characteristics of me that make me feel special. Amen? It's not necessarily that. What uh, what a lot of times makes me feel special is how I'm treated by someone. Like It revolves around how someone has treated me. They make me feel special. Uh, you know, it's kind of like those love languages, right? Love languages make you are supposed to, you know, be the ways that you receive love. And so it's like words of affirmation. I'm gonna try to count you words of affirmation. Um, quality time, <laughs> gifts, uh, physical touch and acts of service. I was like, I'm gonna forget. So those are different ways, like different ways that somebody can display love for you. Um, they can give you a gift. Like some people, some women love flowers, but some, you know, you got five kids running around the house. You don't want your man to walk in with a bouquet of flowers. You want him to walk in and take all the kids so you can take a nap. Uh, and that's an act of service. And so uh, love and how people treat, how we treat each other, a lot of times that's what makes us feel special. Um, and you know, for certain things, it's the certain things that people do, the certain things that people can say that'll give us kind of like those warm fuzzies. You know what I mean? Like they, and I'm not, I'm not just talking about romance. I'm talking about like things people do that legit make you feel special. I say this forever. Like I have a, um, a college classmate that I knew, but I wasn't super close to named Courtney. And I was in Chicago, I believe. Uh, and she was in Chicago at the time. And I just like put out a message about me going to Chicago for this conference, uh, eight years ago. This is how special it made me feel. She went out of her way. Courtney went out of her way to come find, you know, to reach out to me, come get me in her car, take me to a place where I could have dinner with her, a guy from college named Courtney, another one of our college classmates to, to just make that, that was so nice. Um, that to this day, uh, it just, it just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Like, man, that was so, made me feel so special, right? Makes you feel valued, makes you feel cared for. And, and for a lot of us, uh, when we think about those situations and those displays of love and affection and, and honor where, you know, it just makes you feel like valued and cared for, um, you know, we bank those memories. And a lot of times when we're struggling or having some difficulties in the world, we rely on those memories. You know, have you ever gone back to a, a happy place? A happy, go, and, go to your happy place. Go to your happy place. Have you ever like been in a struggle and you're remembering what God did for you? Amen. Have you ever been in a struggle and you remember what a person did for you when they said they believed in you?
when they when you know when they took you out so that you would get out of the house when you were depressed and and, and you were just like stuck in your own thoughts like when they told you something that God had had given them to share directly with you when they encourage you and edify you when they like you know I wouldn't normally say this but you're my boy so I need to tell you to get yourself straight you know sometimes correction is that love that makes you feel special because like if you didn't really love me you wouldn't you wouldn't actually told me the truth Amen. Some people will just let you be messy and let you be a mess. People that love you for real, for real, are love you enough to lose you. <laughs> and so they'll love you and they'll tell you the truth, even if it costs them you. And it's that's a beautiful thing. I, it makes me feel special if you're honest with me. Right. Because that takes some real courage. Um, but I just think about all these times that people have done something that I value because of how it made me feel and how it made me think they feel about me, right? And that's kind of how we, we function and relate. Uh, and I think everyone needs that. Everyone needs to feel special. Everyone needs to feel valued. Uh, we were built for community. The Lord had Adam by himself and Adam had the world and creation and Adam had God and fellowship with the Father, uninhibited fellowship with the Father. And the Lord still said, it's not good that he's alone and created woman. And so I think that there's this power in this communal um, affirming and edification of each other. Everybody needs that. The challenge in our society is that not everybody gets that. And some of us don't even get it in, in our homes and in our families, our relationships at work. But I'm, I'm going even further than that because uh, there's certain types of people that just don't get it at all. I mean, everybody deserves to be shown love. Everybody reserves a display, a demonstration of agape, benevolent affection. Everybody deserves that based on their intrinsic value uh, as a human being created in the image of God. Everybody deserves to be treated that kind of special, like you're valuable, your life, your breath is valuable. Everybody should have that. Um, but what happens in society is that we elevate people. Uh, as a society, we elevate people based on whatever our beauty standards are. Certain people are elevated in their attention. Uh, they get different, uh, better, more attention in society as a result of that. They get um, you know, uh, better recognition and treatment based on their fame. Uh, and I mean, fame can be a prison too, so I don't want to go, but you know, there's, there's benefits to fame and there's benefits to wealth and influence. And so people get treated differently. They get presented value differently based on a bunch of worldly standards that society does. And, and, and we're not, I mean, society's not alone. Like it's not just society, you know, it's not just the news. It's not just the media. It's not just these things that we claim are villains, right? Uh, everybody's always trying to vilify the media. Okay, it's like <laughs> they provide information plus their slant. You get opposite, opposing slants. You try to check out like NP, not NPR, but you know, you try to find some medium slants, whatever, some medium um, mid mid range information sources, but whatever, everybody's got a bias. Um, and so we're hearing, but it's not the media, the media is not the biggest issue out there. They, they have a bias, but everybody's got a bias. You got a bias. I got a bias. Okay. And, and what happens is we, in our biases, we have created circles of preference, like people, like people that look a certain way. 
Um, and that could be physical attractiveness. It could also be physical presentation. It could be talking tattoos or long hair, short hair. Um, you could be talking uh, how they dress a style. Um, you could be talking about whether they're able to have the new stuff or they're looking like, um, like just, uh, not new stuff like i i never almost never had new stuff i didn't have i had stuff that was a couple hand-me-downs honestly how many of you lived on hand-me-downs because i lived on family hand-me-downs um and we went to grandma's house in chapel hill grandma and grandpa's house in chapel hill north carolina and there would be big black trash bags full of clothes that were handed down from our cousins in Virginia. And we would take those home and that would be clothes. And so, you, you know, that would be your clothes shopping for a minute. You might get some brand new stuff when school started, but other than that, um, you was getting the hand-me-downs. Amen. Anybody else had that experience? Maybe I'm the only guy that came up and won't, you know, rich and wealthy. Maybe that's just me. Um, but we have these preferences, you know, uh, we have height race build like when we're talking about significant others but even per, per, personality preferences you know uh for who we choose to hang out with who we choose to elevate within our own hearts and minds and so we elevate those people that are in our circles of preference while we also overlook those people that are not in our circles of preference and so people that um are not in our economic class, they don't have as much education as us. They don't have as much money as us. Those people are the people that are overlooked. And the thing about God is, is that God is looking at, looking for and preferring the ones that are overlooked by us out in the world. So much so, like the Lord, our Christ is looking out for the outcast so much so that he stands in their place. If you're looking at this Matthew 25 text, he stands in their place as a recipient of their special treatments. Like when you look out for these, you looked out for me. So it's, he's, he's not only with them, the poor, the hungry, you know, the thirsty, the, the destitute. He's not the, the stranger, the traveler. He's the alien. He's not just with them, the prisoner, the sick. He's not just with them. He is for them. In fact, he identifies as them. And that's what happens here in verse 40. Uh, it says, the king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, whatever special thing, whatever you made did to make them feel special, when you did it for the least, the people that are at the bottom of the totem pole in society or in your eyes, whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. You did it for me. That's what Jesus is saying in verse 40. And that's what he's saying. The king will reward and, and bring in like, you're my people. You did this. Thank you for taking care of the sick. And, you know, you thank you for taking care of me when I was sick. Well, when, because you did it for somebody that was least. So you did it for somebody that was hungry. You did it for somebody that was thirsty. You did it for somebody that was sick. You did it for somebody that wasn't in your preferred social circle. You did it for somebody that wasn't elevated by society. God is looking out for those that are overlooked. And so we've gone through verses 34 through 40 and, and hit each individual element, hit each person. Uh, we talked about the hungry. We talked about the thirsty. We talked about the stranger. We talked about um, those that were naked. We talked about the sick. And so we're on the last week. Um, and so we're going to close out this series talking about the prisoners. Okay. Uh, and so just... Imagine a feeling less special than being a prisoner. 
then or now, like imagine a less special feeling um, where you are um, uniform. You're not a name, you're a number. You don't get choices of food. Like it's like whatever. And, and nobody's checking for you. Like nobody is really checking for you, your well-being, your welfare. Like you are locked up in some cases treated like an animal. You are deprived of um, independence and autonomous function because everything you do is a function of your position as a prisoner. You could be in shackles. You could be in solitary. You could be in a cell with somebody that hates you. You could be bunking with 10, 12 people if it's, you know, county jail or something. Like it could be all, there are all the, but none of it's desirable. You know, young people kill me talking about school is prison. School is not prison. Prison is prison. Okay, and so when we talk about uh, feeling special, you feel special because of the, how you were treated as an individual and your uniqueness is appreciated. Imagine feeling less special. You can't because as a prisoner, you are identified as less than, as a reject of society, as somebody who needs to be caged away because your presence is not beneficial. Sometimes because of something you actually did, sometimes just because you are a threat to the status quo of the system. Uh, and in many cases, what they were talking about with prisoners in some of the New Testament texts is they were talking about brothers and sisters who were imprisoned because they, of their faith. Uh, and that actually still is happening today in places in, that are, where Christianity is illegal. Uh, you can be imprisoned for preaching the gospel, places like Iran and some of the other Middle Eastern countries. And there are other places where you wouldn't necessarily be imprisoned, but you're heavily regulated. And, uh, and there are other oppressive um, regimes and, and laws in place to make it so that if you step out of line as a Christian, we got something for you. Um, but either way, as a as as a prisoner, there can there can't be a less special feeling that you, you can't be more dehumanized um, than, say, you know, being imprisoned or being enslaved. Like those are basically the two most dehumanizing experiences um, there are. You can't imagine a person with less social status, maybe um, the homeless, but we've already addressed the, you know, hungry, thirsty and naked. Um, but even then, like they're allowed to, to move at a pace of their own if they decide they're going to panhandle. But I'm not going to go into all that comparing, you know, comparing traumas. But we're focusing on the prisoners, those physically imprisoned, unable to experience freedom of movement and, and, and any other freedom. Uh, in our world, they're overlooked, they're undervalued, they are dismissed. And in many cases, we have disgust for them. But in the upside kingdom of upside down kingdom of God, they're still special. In the upside down kingdom of God, the physical prisoner and the spiritual prisoner is still valuable. And that's why they include them here in the text in Matthew and in other texts that we've studied and will study. You know, the thing that we have to get a grasp on is that love leans in for everybody. Love leans in for all types of people. Not just the type of people that we like, but all people. Now, can you say amen? Because I know that for some of us, that's a struggle to know that people that we hate or people that have done us wrong or people that have done society wrong or done horrible things could actually still be loved by God. And, and it's it can be a difficult wrestle. We just need to understand from our position as believers that everybody has equal access to the Father in heaven. Access, not relationship, access. 
And so if we go back and look at this Hebrews text, it's being addressed to early Christians um, of Jewish heritage, of Hebrew heritage. Um, you see that this love, lovely, this idea of love leaning in for various types of people is still in play here. In verse one, um, you see, uh, says, keep on, keep on indicating that the expectations that this was always happening. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Keep on demonstrating benevolent affection for your brothers in faith and your sisters in faith. The Christian community should be marked by how they love one another. That's in John chapter 13, around verse 35. There's something that Jesus taught his disciples that the way that the world will recognize us is how we love one another. And so this text here is teaching, keep on doing that. I know the church has a lot of trouble doing that right now because we're so divided on so many issues um, that, you know, if you're on one side of the issue, you're questioning whether somebody else is saved. And if you're on the other side of the issue, you're questioning whether the other side is saved. And um, I think that, we are just completely missing in grace. And so these instructions are important to, to not only be loving, but keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. It says uh, verse two. So, you know, when we talk about love leaning in for all types of people, we're first on each other in the faith. And two, we're talking strangers. Uh, it says two, do not forget to show hospitality to strangers for by doing so, for by doing, for by so doing, sorry, for by so doing, uh, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. And there's examples of this happening where uh, angels have received hospitality. I actually used one when I talked about strangers and foreigners and aliens a few weeks ago. But it's something important to recognize that every stranger that comes across your path is worthy of um, attention and love, that good Samaritan um, perspective where we are looking to be a benefit for people, even, you know, regardless of what their situation is, where they came from, we're looking for that. Um, so strangers, we, we have to love each other like family. We have to treat strangers like they're heaven's representatives. And, and third, prisoners, prisoners. It says in verse three, uh, continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you were as if you yourselves were suffering. So we're supposed to be in unison with them. And so uh, when I think of what it's trying to tell us about prisoners it's saying we need to think of ourselves as them. And, and that and I think that it, this helps. This can happen in three ways. OK, in three ways, we can our love can lean in for prisoners like we're actually going through it with them. OK. Um, one is that love kneels, love kneels, love, love kneels. That means we get on our knees, we pray. And, and I'm not necessarily saying you got to be physically in that position, but our spiritual, our hearts seem to be in a position where we're praying for prisoners. We're praying for people in America that are uh, caught up in the prison industrial complex. We're caught, we're, we're praying for people for their rehabilitation. We're praying for um, people for their opportunities when they get out, once they serve their time, we are praying for the prisoner. We're praying for them. We're praying for the political prisoner, the spiritual prisoner, the prisoners that have been locked up because they're believers, the, the prisoners that have been um, locked up because they are uh, representative of worthy causes. We're praying for those prisoners that their persecution may be um, mitigated. But if as they're going through it, that they may go through it to the glory of God. Um, this happened with Joseph. This happened with Paul. Like Their imprisonment still manifested in God's glory. Um, God was still glorified while they were in their unjust imprisonment. And so uh, love kneels. We got to pray for the prisoner. Um, next, love feels. 
love feels. Can you believe this, that there is actually a group of people that call themselves Christian out there that are advocating that the idea of empathy is a sin? To feel not bad for someone, but to feel bad with them for the difficulty and challenge and oppression that they have faced. People are trying to say that that is not right and righteous. And to them, it's just like, man, what Bible are you reading? We can only love people as much as we are able to identify with their pain, their suffering, their struggle. It's very hard to love somebody without connecting yourself to their pain, um, without in coming dangerously close to some kind of savior complex for yourself, um, some condescension, elevating, you know, elevating yourself above them in status, like I'm helping them and they need me. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's really hard. That's why we place ourselves with them. Well, why would I do that? Well, what did Jesus do? Jesus came down from heaven. Amen. He came down from heaven, was born through Mary, got raised like a little baby, like a little boy, came up in human society and walked with people, ate with people, drank with people, hung out with people, um, testified. He, he walked the walk of mankind. He took off his crown in heaven to come down and live a actual human existence and be with us. He is a God that empathizes with us. When people were upset because of Lazarus's death, um, knowing that he could resurrect him and would resurrect him, their feelings um, he, he became, uh, compa his compassion for their feelings led him to weep. So that, you know, when y'all have to quote a scripture at the dinner table and y'all are like, Jesus wept. Yeah, that's why, because of his empathy, his empathy. Um, and so love feels, we have to empathize with the prisoner. Um, I have a, a, a co-worker that's like a, <laughs> like a uncle, um, Oscar Harris, big O that used to say when we were in our discipline conferences with students, you know, I'm this far from being a law-abiding citizen and I'm this far from being locked up. Uh, and it's the truth. You know, you don't know what mistake you made in the past had it gone the other way where you would be. And so if we take away our mindset of our own superiority, it makes it easier for us to inhabit the places of pain for others. Um, so love feels, but love doesn't just kneel. Love doesn't just feel. Love deals. Love deals. Love deals with those that are suffering. Love deals with those that are mistreated. And so how would we want to be treated? How would we want to be dealt with if we were the ones imprisoned righteously or imprisoned falsely? How would we want to be dealt with? And and we would want to be visited uh, we had a, we were a part of a program for years when we were meeting on the West side where we were going to the Duval Academy, a halfway house, um, a residential program for youth offenders. And we were going and, and loving on them with other men, men from other ministries and playing basketball with them, you know, rapping with them, singing with them, worshiping with them, preaching, praying with them every month. Why? Because love deals with people. Love doesn't just ignore people. Love deals with. And so we visited, you know, you share with, um, you share resources with, you share, um, you share time with, um, and you support, you support. Love deals with people, it visits them, it shares them, it supports them. Uh, when I look here at verse three, it says, continue to remember as, as if I was together with them in prison, if I'm with them in prison, 
I want, and, and I'm thinking of like, well, how, how would I want to be dealt with in this place that is designed to strip me of my feelings of being special and valued? I gotta, I gotta have somebody come in and, and restore that dignity, you know, through demonstrating agape love, All right? So for prisoners, you know, we got to remember, the, and honestly, for everybody in this upside down kingdom of God, we got to remember that love kneels, it prays, love feels, it empathizes, and love deals, it connects with. And that's what we do, the church, the universal church and the local church, we come together to love those who are imprisoned. We come together to love those who are imprisoned in our actual incarcerated facilities. We come together to love those who are imprisoned um, in their own boxes and spiritual struggles and physical, emotional struggles. We lean in. The church is an individual church and our church is too small to handle every problem. And so we collaborate and where we our hands can't reach, we then send funds to support. Um, where someone else's work overlaps with our purpose, like the Salvation Army and the work that they do in past in the past, like the Hubbard House and the work that they do. Um, our goal is simply to lean in. Um, the church comes together to love on the imprisoned, but not just the imprisoned, like everybody who's in this upside down kingdom of God. My focus in the first half of this series was to make sure that we understand that when Christ in Luke chapter four was talking about all these deflated, demoralized, at the bottom people that he was coming for and had a word for and had a kingdom to proclaim to, like we could find ourselves in every one of those categories. And since God did such a great thing for us, has God done any great things for you? Can you say amen? Since God has done such great things for us, we are then to be conduits of his love. Once it's come to us, now it should go through us. So that our love leans in into our community, into the hungry. Our love leans in for the thirsty. Our love leans in for the stranger, the alien, the immigrant. Our love leans in for the naked, the homeless. Our love leans in. Our love leans in for the sick. Our love leans in for the elderly. Our love leans in for the prisoner. Our love leans in. Those people that society has overlooked, those are the ones that God is saying shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. The Those that mourn will be comforted. So many times in the world, we believe that demonstration of strength and power and wealth is at the top. But what is really at the top is at the bottom because our worldly wealth, if you think about it, the worldly wealth is meaningless. The streets are paved with gold. The streets are paved with gold. Look out here at the street. You gonna tell me that we supposed to be excited and vow, you know, about the value of what we walk on and drive our cars on? No. We think about we like, oh, gold is so valuable. No, it's it's, it's an upside down kingdom. The thing that we think is valuable is simply a tool to be walked on. <coughs> the people. And the least of these, those are what's valuable. Those are who's valuable. And so we have an opportunity to continue to be a blessing. We have an opportunity to come together and strategize, first through prayer and planning and preparation, but then through fundraising to get this building um, open and operated to then be a conduit of God's love all through Arlington. 
to, to use it as a base to grow the church and grow the work and the fingerprint and the footprint of the church in the community. It's so that our love leans in. The whole reason to do church is so that your love can lean in. There's no point in going to church just so we can go to church. I mean, there's no point in doing church. There's no point in me coming to just say this stuff each week. Man, I could be taking a nap. I could be eating some Cheetos. There's a food truck out there right now. I could be right there. But the Lord is inspiring and, and present in us right now. The Lord is trying to revive us, has been you has been present throughout the entire pandemic for the people of God, for the people that will listen, to the people that will allow the difficulty and challenge to push them closer to God, for the people that will allow the physical distance because of, of what social distancing did to push them closer to God, for the people that will allow the challenges of not being able to get back to a normal routine to push them closer to God. God has been setting this up so that we understand that the stuff that we trusted in before, that we leaned in on before, is not a sufficient foundation. And so that what we are able to do now, and what we should be striving to do now, is lean in to God's love so that we can then be filled and move into community with each other. And then move into the community so that our love can be something that is a beautiful reflection of what we're what we've been given amen and so i'm excited y'all i'm excited i'm convinced and convicted of what beautiful impact awaits us as we commit to living a life where our love leans in i do recognize though that when the Bible teaches to love the Lord and to love your neighbor as yourself, that for some of us, that's not necessarily a healthy command without understanding proper context. And so we think love your neighbor as yourself. Um, and we don't necessarily still, we don't necessarily have a good understanding of how to love others. Well, why is that? You don't love you. You don't, you don't have the right principles established in yourself so that you think about you properly and so that you treat yourself appropriately and so that you talk the talk in here and the way you talk to yourself is an edifying conversation. And so the next series, Treat You Right, is going to seek to reestablish the foundations of Christian life, that faith, that hope, that love, so that you can work with you in a way that if you treated other people like you treat you, it would be a blessing. Because for some of us, if we treated, if we treat people like we treat ourselves, then it'll be a manifestation of our insecurity. It'll be a manifestation of our wounds. It'll be a manifestation of our hurt instead of it being a manifestation of our healing and a manifestation of our deliverance and a manifestation of our wholeness and a manifestation of our hopes. Amen. So when we start this series, and I, I don't have the exact date yet, we're going to start this series. At the latest, it'll start at the beginning of August. But when we start this series, I want you to be ready for your whole life and perspective to be flipped and changed. I'm ready. I want you to, to be preparing to eliminate, be praying to eliminate all the baggage, all the enemy influence, all the strongholds to, to, to filter those out, to have, to allow the great physician to surgically remove and then replace, have a transplant so that on the inside, we are no longer contaminated by the lies of the enemy. But we are 
emboldened by the empowering love of Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to close out. For those of you that need to be renewed in faith today, whether that means for the first time you are professing that you believe Jesus is Lord and you want to walk with Jesus each and every day in your life. For those of you that are needing to be rededicated because you've gotten so bogged down and caught up in the way that you've been doing things and that way of doing things has not been a reflection of God's love that leans into you, nor has it been a reflection of your love leaning in for others brothers and sisters in Christ, your church, your community, any of that. I, I want to pray with you as well. So if you fit any category, like if you if you are spent and your thoughts and your energy has been spent and, and you just haven't been the way that you know you should be and, and life hasn't been working and walking, this is what I want you to do. I'll pray quickly. I want you to just type the word renew. Renew. That's what I'm praying for. Renewal. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you and praise you right now for you, for your life, your health, for your wholeness that you are pouring out on us. Lord, I'm praying right now for every new believer, every renewed believer, every single one of us that has been reaching for, every single one of us that has been struggling with uh, the, the life that we've been living, the, the perspective that we have. It's been tainting and hindering us from being able to demonstrate a benevolent affection toward others because we have a war going on outside. We have a war going on on the inside, Lord. I pray right now for deliverance. I pray right now rebuking the enemy's influence in our romantic lives, in our relationships, uh, over our health and the way we think about ourselves. I, I rebuke the enemy's influence in our egos and our shame, Lord. I know that your voice does not come to con to condemn, but to convict and re renew us, Lord, to edify us, to lift us up above and beyond what we could ask or think. Lord, I'm praying for mustard seed faith to be established in each one of us because we know that mustard seed faith is mountain moving, Lord. I pray there's mountains that need to be moved within us. I'm praying there's mountain that need, mountains that need to be moved outside of us. I'm praying that there's mountain, praying knowing there's mountains that need to be moved in our communities. And Lord, I'm praying for the, for the empowerment in us, with us, among us, that these mountains be moved, that the enemy is re rebuked, the enemy Satan, you're defeated. The devil is defeated. There's no stronghold that he can have in us. That There's nothing that can stop us from being proactive in love. The Lord is healing us on the inside. The Lord is blessing us on the inside. The Lord is renewing our spirit and mind, our souls, so we will no longer be those oppressed and held down by difficulty and challenge, but we will look to you where our help comes from. We'll give the burdens to you. We'll receive your grace and your power and we'll walk forward and hand that off and distribute it to those that will be called the least those that are elevated by your upside down kingdom thank you for renewing our spirits thank you for renewing our minds thank you for renewing our souls thank you for a refreshed anointing thank you for renewed focus thank you for your love thank you for the finished work of the cross the finished work of our fundraising, the finished work of this building. Thank you for what you're going to do through us as we come together as a community to benefit and bless you and others. In Jesus name. Amen.